Hey, we're in a series on prayer, and we've called this, it's number five, we've called it How to Pray Effective Prayers. There's no point in praying if your prayers aren't going to be effective. Uh, I would say this, if you're praying and your prayers aren't effective, then you need to go back and uh, start with number one in the series. And we're up to number five this morning. So I'm just excited about that. I've called this morning's message, Whoever Calls. Whoever Calls. And it says this in Romans 10. It says, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can take that to the bank. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved from whatever it is that's threatening you. It could be financial, it could be health-wise, it could be relationships, all of these things that are out there trying to steal your dreams, trying to destroy your life, and the world's full of toxicity. But God has a solution. Give me a call. And uh, I like that. So we're going to look at three things this morning. Uh, number one, who do you call? And we, we really hit that last, last week, or the week before, rather, uh, and, and I'm not going to go into depth on that, but who do we call, and then uh, where do we call, and then this morning we're going to look mainly at uh, how do we call. So three things, who, where, and how. That's where we're going this morning. Now the Lord's Prayer, the disciples notice this correlation between Jesus' prayer life. He'd go up on the mountain, spend time all night with, with his father, come down, and he had this power that they noticed was a result of his prayer life. So they were smart, and they said this. They said, teach us how to pray. And he gave what we would call the Lord's Prayer, or if you're Catholic, the Our Father. And it's such a power-packed power uh, instruction on prayer, such a... Uh, uh, amazing prayer, and, and, and what he gives us, we're only going into the first part of the prayer, really, uh, this morning, and he gives us the Our Father. So I want to read this together in Romans, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says this, verse 9. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed, be your name. So in this one verse, verse 9, we get three things, the three questions that we're going to answer this morning. Who do you call? Where do you call? And how do you call? Number one, who do you call? Well, he says, our Father. When you pray, you're calling Dad. You're calling your Father, your Heavenly Father. He is amazing. And last, uh, a couple weeks ago, I I did a whole sermon on our Father. I want you to go back and, and get that, listen to it, and it's amazing. God is a family guy. He's a family God. And he is a Father, authored everything that we have that's good. He authored us, in fact, as well, all the galaxies and the whole universe so that he could take his prized possession, which is you, and place you in something spectacular. And, but he's a family guy. He's a family God. And he wants his family to come home. That's why it says our father, not just my father. So when we pray, we're thinking about the whole family. Ephesians says this, in whom the whole family, everybody that calls upon the name of the Lord, both on earth and in heaven, is named. 
it's important to understand that we're not just praying for our own needs, but we pray for the needs of other people. That's why it's our Father, not just my Father again. Where do you call? So again, uh, who do you call? You call Father. Number two, who do you call? You call home. The source of all power is home. Now, I don't know if you had a functional family or a dysfunctional family or in-between family or where your family was or where your home was or whatever, whatever, but I know that uh, in most homes, if you get in trouble as a kid, maybe you initially get to take the car out first time. I know when I was finally handed the keys to the car, I uh, just got my license. We got our license at 16 in America. <laughs> and, and, and what did I do? I was given the assignment. You can, you can finally have the car to go and wash it, take it to the, to the uh, car wash. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I get to take the car to go wash the car. And so I ventured across. We lived on an island. We had two bridges that went over to the mainland and drove across one of the bridges over to a place called Trenton. And uh, there was a car wash in Trenton. And I was a new driver, and I couldn't negotiate the turn into the car wash without hitting this big cement pylon. First time, keys to the car, noble car is going to wash the car, and what do I do? I smash the car. Now I'm thinking, my dad is not going to be happy when I get home. Father's not waiting there to go, hey, this is exciting. How did it go? Let me go see what kind of job that you did at the car wash. Um, and I remember Detroit, uh, we lived in Detroit uh, near the city, and <laughs> we had a football team, still have a football team that's never won a Super Bowl, never even been in a Super Bowl in all their franchise history of 50, 60 years, whatever it's been, uh, the Detroit Lions, God bless them. They were playing, and uh, they were playing New Orleans, a little bit of detail, and I'm thinking, man, if Detroit wins this game, Dad's going to be in a good mood, and then I can drop the bomb. I smash the car. But if Detroit loses the game, and Dad's watching the game, then I'm going to be in trouble. So Detroit's ahead, two seconds left to go. I come in, Dad's watching the game, and there's, uh, there's an impossible field goal for the New Orleans Saints to win. It's 63 yards. It would break a record for the longest field goal ever. So it's like Detroit's in the bag. They're going to win this game, and Dad's going to be in a good mood. So I can say, oh, by the way, Dad, I smashed the car. <clears throat> so, so I'm watching it, waiting for the guy to miss this record-breaking field goal. He nails it. He, he kicks the, his name was Dempsey, he kicks the longest field goal in NFL history, and Detroit loses. Dad's not in a good mood. I'm thinking, how am I going to break the news to Dad that I smashed the car. Anyway, I did. It didn't go down real well, but I was forgiven eventually for that one. But normally, calling home is, is a place where you can get power from. You can get an answer to a solution. If the car breaks down or something, call home. If you're, if you're in trouble and, and, and your father's daughter, you, you ring home, Daddy, I'm in trouble. It's a source of power, calling home. Jesus talked about home all the time. He said, I'm going home. And, and, and where I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And of course, that home, that source of power that he talked about is in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who 
if you're old King James, art in heaven, who, who dwells in heaven. Heaven is home. Heaven was Jesus's home. And heaven is your destination, hopefully, if you call upon the name of the Lord. Heaven is home. And heaven is a source of power. That's where you're praying into when you pray. That's the where. The where is heaven. It's a it's an incredible place. I've never been there, but what I read, there's a, a crystal lake there. There's a throne there. There's uh, millions or myriads, it says, of angels there. There's a huge throne uh, uh, that God sit, the Father sits on. I, I don't, there's mansions there. He says, I go to prepare a, a place for you. Heaven is home. And I think that everything that we do in life should lead that way. Now, I've got sat-nav in my car. If you're, if you're driving a fairly new car, uh, you probably have sat-nav or on your phone or something. But my sat-nav automatically knows when I'm heading back home. It just knows. Oh, he's heading home right now. So it puts up the address, and it's got the route on as if I don't know my way home. But anyway, it's, it just leads that way. And when we call upon the name of the Lord, and when we are praying, we're calling on God, our prayers should be directed towards the source of power that we know that's where we're going. This life is a flash in the pan. Uh, scripture says it's like the grass, it grows up, and then like a flower, it just fades. It doesn't, go, it, it doesn't last long at all. It seems like it does sometimes, but it, it, it ends quickly. Heaven is eternity. God's time scale is eternity. That's like a long, long time. In fact, it's outside of time. There's no time at all. It, time doesn't exist there. Can't get our heads around that one, but that's a fact. That's home for us. I don't know if you've ever been away from home for any length of time. I hardly ever get seriously back to my roots where I grew up, Seal. I hardly ever get back there. But when I do... It's an amazing experience. And if you've been away from home and come back to where you grew up, you know what I'm talking about. The sights, the smell, uh, you know, uh, there's just a smell for the downriver, we call it, area where I grew up. Oh, just the sounds, whether it's the traffic. Like I would know if I'm in New York, New York City, because all you hear is sirens, like nonstop ambulances and, and, and police cars. It's just, it's just nonstop traffic and subways shuffling through. And, and wherever home is for you, you just know there's something familiar about this place. And it's something that, for me anyway, I, I, I get home and I go, man, I really miss this place in some ways. It's so good to be back to my roots. And I hope that that's the way it is with heaven. That most of us would start to dream about that and think about that, that heaven is our home. And so he tells his disciples something amazing, that your home is heaven. And when you pray, call home. Give, give Father a, a, a call. When you pray, call God and, and realize that he is where you're headed and heaven is his home and heaven is your home. Now, number three, how do you call? And this is where we're going to go mainly this morning. How do you call? Back old school, before we had the uh, mobile phones, and I know I'm looking out here, and I, I know there's a lot of people that know what I'm talking about that were around before uh, mobile phones, and there's a fair few that, that weren't. So to educate 
everybody here that was born with a mobile phone in your hand. Uh, maybe you're in a pram sucking on a mobile phone instead of a, a, a dummy. Uh, for those people, if you were out and you didn't have change to put in a, in a telephone box, uh, uh, a phone booth, well, then you, you were allowed to call the operator, dial zero, and you would call what we called collect. In other words, you get on there, the operator would say, can I help you? Say, yes, I'd like to make a collect call. And then they would give you, you'd give them the number and they would dial. And the person on the other end would pick up and the operator would say, a collect call from Ed. Now, the collect call is exactly what, what it says. It means they on the other end have to pay for the phone call. Not a big deal if it's a local call where I come from, it's probably going to cost a quarter, which is 25 cents. I don't know what it was over here back in the day when we did such things. 40 cents, okay. It's inflation, I guess, the Aussie dollar. Uh, <laughs> but it was kind of a humility, like a humbling thing that if you're ringing somebody and you don't even have the money for a phone call, and Oftentimes, I found when I moved across country, so I'd be ringing from California back to the Detroit area, it was, it was more than a quarter. It was a fairly, you know, big slice of money back then. And, and, and Dad would pick up, collect call from your son. He would never say no, never. I mean, maybe you got a cheapskate parent or something like that, but I doubt they're going to have, they're going to be that heartless that they'd say, they're not going to pay $2 to, to, to hear what my child has to say. Maybe they're in trouble. Who cares? You know, money's the most important thing. It's, it's a humbling thing, and the how you pray is in humility. Now, it's really important to understand that God does not like pride. Pride was the one thing, and that's what got Satan kicked out of heaven, was he was full of pride. He was lifted up and full of pride. Humility is the opposite of that. There's no room for pride when you're going to ring Father. There's no room at all. It's, it, it, it's, it's incredible when you understand that God resists the proud, it says, but he gives grace. That's his unmerited favor. That's his ability to do what you can't do. He gives grace to the humble. In fact, in the Lord's Prayer, it says, Hallowed be thy name. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 3, the beginning of, uh, of 1 Peter 3.15, it says this, it says, In your heart, revere Christ in your hearts. Revere Christ as Lord. That word revere is the same Greek word that's translated hallowed in the Lord's Prayer. To revere means this. It means he is holy. He is set apart. He stands out. There's a theological term for that, sanctification. But it primarily means that, that, that you humble yourself when you approach him, that you know who it is that you're approaching. I don't know if you've ever been pulled over for speeding. Now, there might be some angels in here that have never, ever planted their foot on an accelerator before and the needle never went over the speed limit. 
Uh, but I doubt it. I think that all of you uh, 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 watching online, you're, you're probably all guilty. You've probably gone over the speed limit before. And, and it's a terrible thing when <laughs> you're speeding and you see those sirens and you hear that, that in the background you look and you go, oh no. Because somebody's got the power to make your day a really bad day. Somebody's going to cost you some money. Well, you cost yourself money if you're speeding. Now there's cameras and you don't know until you open the mail. You go, what the? Oh, why are you kidding me? Where was that? The Nicklin Way. As you approach the 7-Eleven headed south. That, that camera there has cost me so much money. And I can tell by your nervous laugh, you've got stung there too. But when, when you're pulled over, you get out of the car, or you don't get out of the car, actually, you stay there, run, wind the window down, the police officer comes over. They've got authority. They've got power. They've got power to cost you money. They've got power. So how do you address somebody that has authority or power? Well, my advice to you, do it with humility. Be humble. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Oh, I didn't realize that I was going over the speed limit. My bad. My mistake. Just eat humble pie. That's my advice. Now, I have never talked my way out of a speeding ticket yet because I'm not a good-looking woman. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but it never hurts. Now, what if you're not speeding? You get pulled over. This happened to me once on the way to a Christian conference on the way down to Brisbane. I got pulled over by a radar person. I was not speeding, and I knew I wasn't speeding because I had my cruise control on, and it was somebody else that went right past me. They, they uh, picked it up, and, and with the radar gun, they tagged me. I pulled over. I said, no, I wasn't speeding. Yes, you were. I said, no, I wasn't. If I'm guilty, I'm guilty. Now, I was still humble. I still talked nicely to that person, but there, there came a point where we're arguing. It's all recorded, the whole conversation, and where I said, well, I'll just see you in court. Fine. You want to go to court? Fine. You'll, you'll have to pay the court costs because you're guilty. Well, we went to court. The, the judge uh, is pretty awesome. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to court, but it's next level beyond the police officer when you're approaching your honor <laughs> on a bench, and now the stakes are higher. You're not just going to pay a $200 fine or something like that. You got court costs on top of that. And so they pulled me in a room before then. The policeman said, hey, look, you know, just plead guilty. You don't want to do that. Uh, you're only going to get this. We're only going to do you for maybe 10 over, whatever it is. I said, no, I'm not guilty. I'm, we'll go to court. So we went into the courtroom. Judge says this, what's your case? I said, my case is this, my words, my bond, I, I wasn't speeding. And he said this, he said, I have no reason to doubt Pastor Luther's word, not guilty. <laughs> yeah, I was pumped, really excited. But imagine if I went in there with just this haughty attitude. Yeah, like, uh, who are you with the robes and all the rest of that stupid wig or whatever they got on? Like, who do you think you are? <laughs> I've got my rights. <laughs> you don't approach God that way because God has the power of eternity. God is the one that 
not only would he make your day a really bad day when you see him, he'd make your eternity a really bad eternity. And when you're approaching him, hallowed be your name. Revered be your name. He's still Father, but Father's also an, an awesome person in the universe that runs the whole thing. He's, he's got double roles there. It's really important to humble yourself, it says in 1 Peter 5. It says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Therefore, under the mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. In other words, he will lift you out of whatever situation that you find yourself in, but you approach him when you call upon him in prayer. Approach him, hallowed be your name. Approach him with a humble heart, with humility, understanding that he is God. He runs the universe. He is all-powerful, almighty, all those words. You are really insignificant by comparison, but as Father, he'll give you the time of day. In fact, you've got his heart. Now, the opposite, uh, again, of, uh, uh, of pride is humility. And I put together kind of a, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe it's a formula of some kind, but uh, pride equals independence. Independence equals selfishness. Pride leads to independence. Pride says this, ha. I don't need God. <laughs> I, I don't need to pray because the language of prayer, or the language of humility, rather, is prayer. Prayer is total dependence on God. So just like pride equals independence equals selfishness, it means that I'm going to live my life for me as if there is no God. I'm going to live my life as if everything is about me. I'm just, it's all about me. Whereas humility equals dependence equals selflessness. There's something about a humble heart there's something about approaching God with humility that God finds irresistible. You capture God's heart because God is after your heart. Oftentimes when we're praying or when we're living life, we, we're just after things. Everything's about things. I listen to people's conversation on oh, the housing market, the financial markets, the inflation, and everything's about things, things, things. God doesn't mind you having things, but God is interested in your heart. God is a jealous God. What's he jealous for? Your things? No, your things are junk. He's jealous for your heart. He wants to have your attention and your affection. He's a jealous God in a good way. Just like a, 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 a spouse or a husband or a wife wants the heart of that person that they're married to. It's not, hopefully, they don't marry somebody for their things. That's a gold digger. That's not, that's not God's. God's heart is he wants your heart. And so when you give God your heart, you do that humbly before him. God, I give you my heart. Now, when you go to pray, and I've learned this, and I've, I, I find this, is like, this was like a, a game changer in my prayer life, what I'm about to share. Because I would go to God kind of like with a formality kind of prayer. And I would, 
quote the, the Lord's Prayer, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the kingdom come, thy will be done, and this is his name, gives the day of birth, gives the Amen. Until I started to think, this is not a formula that God gives us. This is a very heartfelt revelation on how to approach God in prayer. That he is your father. That he is in heaven again, home. And the humility part is something that most of us miss when we pray. So when I started praying, hallowed be your name, and I realized that it's not just about approaching the great wizard of Oz, if you've ever seen that, the mighty wizard, what do you want? Poor little Dorothy and Toto and all them. You know, and they find out the curtain gets pulled back and it's just this man there that they already knew pulling these big levers. If you haven't seen The Wizard of Oz, it's an old movie, never mind. It's not, that's not what God's after there. And, and, and I thought that humility basically was an exterior thing until I realized humility is of the heart. The Bible says that prosperity will ruin a fool. So I thought, well, prosperity, that must be pride outwardly. A person has a lot of stuff. They're prideful. They're a fool. No. It's a matter of the heart. The fool has said in his heart there is no God. Therefore, they live independently as if God doesn't exist. They're independent. That's pride. Leads to selfishness. Again, humility is total dependence. I am a kind of person, and I know a good many of you would be the same. I'm a pretty independent person. Oh, do you need a hand with that, Ed? No, I can, I can manage. Never mind. I got it. Even if I could use a hand with something, I generally won't go that far. I'll generally do it myself if I, if I can. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm very independent. And I don't like being dependent. And when it says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and I realize that humility is the language of prayer, that prayer equals dependence, there's something in me, in me that backs off. I'll pray God, but I'm not going to be totally dependent because that's, that's a bad word in my vocabulary. But the kind of dependence that God's called us into when it comes to how to pray is to get real with God and unpack your rubbish. Get the backpack that's full of weights that, 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 that are burdens that you're carrying in life. And that's for everything. Again, it's relationships that, that burden us down. People that burden us down. Money problems that burden us down, that weigh, that weigh you down. Some of you right now, you're so burdened down with so many things that you can't resolve. But independence is stopping you from going to God with humility and saying, God, I'm going to unpack this mess. And he knows it anyway. 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul said this. He says, pray without ceasing. So many people don't understand. What, what does that mean? It's an attitude that as I walk through life, 
I am totally going to walk humbly before him and be dependent, not as a weakness, not as something to be ashamed of, not as kind of like a welfare thing or something. It's a total dependence upon my Father who's in heaven that has all the resources that, that takes nothing. His pleasure is in helping his children, which is you and I. And when we unpack the junk, carrying this big thing full of heavy burdens, when you finally just go, okay, I'm going to get clean with this, I don't, want to, I don't want anybody to see my mess. God knows your mess. He knows everything. He's inviting you to humble yourself. Take your backpack full of junk. Even the ugly stuff, the, the sin, the habits that you deal with. Everything. Every, every slip up, every mess that you're making of your life. The private stuff. And just dump it. During prayer, it's your time to get humble before him and to get real and let the Holy Spirit reveal things to you that just need to be fixed, that need to get cleaned up in your life. There's no, there's no other place really where you can go and get that except prayer. So when you empty that out, you start to admit, well, maybe there is a bit of pride here. I'm a self-made man. Well, whippy poop for you. You get the hero badge of the idiot of the, of the year. There's no place for pride. Pride is the opposite of humility. And God, when, 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 when you have, when you're independent and you, you, are, you are so prideful that you won't even get clean and get real with God who knows it all anyway, and he's invited you into his world, into the realm to approach heaven, when you've got pride in your prayer is in independence and you will not dump the load and get real with it and, and let, let it all be exposed, then your prayer never gets to heaven. Just like Satan was kicked out of heaven, your prayer can't go into heaven with pride. He's kicked out because of pride. You can't go in. Your prayer doesn't enter heaven because there's no room for pride to enter the heavenly realm. He is your Father, our Father, who art in heaven, and your prayer just goes poop. It's not going anywhere until you get real humble. Get real Get real humble and realize heaven is my home. I want my prayer to go where there's power. I want it to go where the Father is. I want an answer because we're talking about prayers that get results, not prayers that are resultless, that, that are no effect. We want to have prayers that get results. So Jesus, he's talking to his disciples He's talking to God. And he's showing them. And he's modeling this thing. And he says this. He says, I don't do anything. The son doesn't do anything that he first doesn't see the father doing. Where does he see the father doing that? Prayer. Prayer. He looks at the father. He has access to heaven because there's no pride in him. He who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Humble himself. Even the point of a of a cross, even to the point of death. And God highly exalted him 
God wants to exalt you out of your situation. Hallowed be your name. Revere him, recognize him, approach him as, as the holy one, the set apart one, but also the one that sees everything that you're going through. And, and get, get pride. Don't, don't let pride get in there. Pride comes before a fall, the scripture says. Prosperity will ruin a fool. You know, person that falls, they didn't just fall outwardly on that moment that they're exposed. They fell way before that in their heart. And prosperity, prosperity isn't what caused them to fall. Prosperity amplifies what's already in your heart. So if you're stingy, you're stingy in your heart. You get some money, you get some success, whatever it is. All that's going to do, that prosperity, it's going to amplify who you already are. That's why it ruins a fool, because the fool's a fool when they get prosperity, and prosperity will ruin the fool that already is. It just amplifies it, shouts it out to the world, and uh, get ready because that person will fall. It makes apparent what there already is. These things are all a matter of the heart, pride and humility. And the language of humility is prayer. The solution to a pride problem <laughs> is a humility habit. Prayer. God is a jealous God, and he wants your heart. Well, we're going to um, close in a moment with communion, but uh, I want to give you just one scripture here. I've quoted this, but it's in James 4, 6, verse 6 and 10. This is the result of what God will do when you humble yourself. It says, but he gives us more grace. And again, that word grace, it's such a powerful word, charis. It means God's ability that he gives to you to do what you can't do. I mean, how many people want that? It's also translated as undeserved favor or merit. It is all of that. You don't earn it. But God gives you his ability to do what you can't do. So whatever you're facing right now, you think, man, I just don't know what to do, and I, I can't do this. Well, you're, a, you're a candidate for grace. He gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud. He doesn't just leave you in neutral if you're full of pride. He opposes you. Out of all the people that I would want to oppose me, or wouldn't want, rather, to oppose me, God would be the one that I definitely don't want him opposing me. God opposes the proud, but he shows favor. That's grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, before the Lord. Humble yourselves before the Lord. He will lift you up. Prayer exercises humility to lay hold of more grace. That's why we pray without ceasing. Well, we're going to close here in a moment. And um, I really want us to take communion again and have that open in a very meaningful way. But I'm going to ask us to do something that probably... Well, we don't normally do this in a church service. Now you're all nervous. He's going to ask, he's going to hand the microphone, get me to confess my private sins. No, no. 
going to do that. <laughs> but what I would like you to do is just to close your eyes for a moment. And look, you're not sharing this with your neighbor or with anybody in the room. But I want you to have a prayer moment where you're aware you're in the presence of God. We're in church. This is a worship service. It's a time. It's a safe space. Again, I'm not going to put a microphone in front of you and get you to share anything. But when you do close your eyes, I want you to practice from this point, getting real with God. Humble yourself. And if you know there's just things in your life that aren't right in any area of your life, I wonder if right now you could just take a moment and unpack it and empty the the knapsack out. You know, God knows you mess, but he wants, to, he wants to clean that mess up and sort you out and help you get on with life so that your life on the inside is sorted and that you're clean. And before we take communion, he says, as often as you do this, don't do it in an unworthy manner. In other words, examine yourself first. Repent. Change your mind. Get, get real with God. So if you've got something in your life, and it could be many things in your life, just pour it out on the floor and let God deal with it and, and get real. This, this is what real prayer is about. Meaningful prayer. So whatever that is or those things are, right now, I just want to give you just a, a minute or so, just a space to linger and let Father, let Father help you to get that sorted out. Humility walks across rooms and apologizes. Pride stops you from apologizing where you know, I should apologize to that person. But no, pride stops you right in your tracks. And pride will keep your prayers out of heaven. Humble yourself. Walk across rooms. Say, I'm sorry. A humble person will. A prideful person won't. Jesus is Lord or Satan is God of that area. Which, which way is it going to go? Humble yourself. Walks across rooms. Humble yourself, says I've got a habit that I haven't been able to break. Father, help me. I'm going to quit covering this thing over and denying it. Living in denial is not living in faith. So I'm going to believe, Father, for you to empower me and give me more grace because you give grace to the humble. So here I am humbly pouring out my mess in prayer before you right now just see yourself just pour it out empty the knapsack full of your junk and say this after me right now say dear God come on let's all do this dear God help Father I come to you for help. Let my prayer 
go to heaven and let the power of heaven come to earth. Now, habits are breaking. Hearts are getting right. There's power right now in this room. I can feel it. People are getting real. They're getting real humble. There's genuine power that's in this room right now called grace. He's pouring more out. More out right now. Just thank Him for it in your own way. Just say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And when we walk out of here, you pray without ceasing. You continually let his power come into your life as you walk through your life to deliver you from evil, from temptation. For his is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All part of the same prayer. So, Father, I thank you right now for every person here that's just getting real humble and pride has just been shattered in this place over every life. I command pride to be shattered. There's no room for pride in, a, in the life of a believer. There's no room for pride in a worship service. There's no room for pride in your heart. And I speak for that thing to be shattered and broken off your life right now that you can be totally dependent upon your heavenly Father and the power of God. Fill your, your heart right now and your prayer be answered and your prayers be effective now in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, somebody, and say Amen. I want to give you a chance if you're watching online or you're here right now to give your heart to Jesus. Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So I'm going to give you a chance right now to call upon him as Savior. You'll never be good enough to get to God. Never. Your good works, no matter how good you think you are, it doesn't it's, it, it, it's not that good. It's not good at all in the face of, of holiness himself, God. So just humble yourself in that way. If you want to be part of this prayer to say, to ask Jesus into your heart, I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Father, I come to you with a humble heart and I give my heart to you. Jesus, I make you the Savior of my life. I give you my life. Amen.